0: Welcome to Life in Context, a conversational podcast where we explore life and relationships in the context of Christian faith, relationship with Jesus, biblical truth, and emotionally healthy practices. I'm your host, Esther.
1: And I'm your host, Jill. We come from different backgrounds and life experiences and bring our different professional and personal skills and training to our conversations. We agree on many things and we differ on other things. That's part of what we enjoy about our conversations. We love to encourage and challenge each other and our listeners to consider new approaches, new ideas,
0: and ways to think about life within the context of our faith. It's always our hope in these podcasts to bring real life strategies, positive ideas, and faith-building practices that can be applied to these sometimes challenging topics that we all face in life. So let's get into today's topic.
1: Hey, Esther. Hi, Jill. It's our favorite time. It is. So today we're going to be examining and exploring a topic that we've really been chewing on. The topic is discernment. I
0: love this topic, partly because it's so complex. Right. Right. Even when you say the word discernment, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And uh, we're going to explore it in in a particular context and um, here in the context of our Christian faith Mm -hmm. and of our walk. And we want to be clear about that, that people <laughs> mean different things right. um, by discernment. But I think there's a lot of things to consider in the topic of discernment and why we should use it. I agree. Why we have it, what its purpose is, mm-hmm. what it looks
1: like. Yeah. Moving parts. We, I really was thinking about discernment um, in the context of my my intellectual reasoning and my experience but really on the deeper level, discernment from the Holy Spirit. How do I receive? How do I work out? How do I exercise? The Bible says that the exercising our senses. So how do I exercise that discernment
0: muscle, so to speak, in, in relationship with the Father Jesus, Holy Spirit? Is such an interesting way to look at it because discernment in, from the way I look at it is a partnership. Mm-hmm. It's not just something that we receive but it's something that we participate in. And so exercise is a great way to look at it. I think we can sort of divide the issues of discernment into a couple of categories. And there is the category that a lot of people in the church talk about and discernment in the context of theology and doctrine and what's right and what's wrong within scripture. But I think today we want to expand that and really look at discernment in our lives. Personal. Personal how we relate and interact and how we use the, the process of discernment to live out our lives. I think that's really, I think what you, what you
1: hit on is partnership with God. How mm-hmm. am I walking out my life in partnership with God? And in this, in this way of hearing his voice and one of my one of my ladies, I I asked some of my people in the last week or so, what does discernment mean to you? And one one of my friends said, it's knowing in my knower. It's just <laughs> knowing in my knower, and in my knower, I knew what she meant. So, <laughs> so we were we were having some uh some agreement on that, and I asked somebody else who said this was just really cool. She said discernment is an open valve from the Lord that gives me information that he wants me to have prior and during circumstances and situations which i thought was really cool and i I, one of the things that you just said was about theological and maybe even versus relational and one person i read a bit last name's Harmon, but he was talking about we get a logos from the word the bible itself so we get a word from the bible like say it's here's the kind here's the kind of the husband you look for, or the kind of man you look for. And that's like a logos word from the Bible, but you'd need a Remo word, like a personal word from Father Jesus, Holy Spirit about who to marry. That's going to need, <laughs> that's a, that's a, I've got funny stuff to say on that too, but a personal word to determine who my husband is. The Bible's not going to tell me who
0: to marry. Mm-hmm. I think it is that ability to process the information that we have um, in relationship to what we know um, through the reading of the word, through our relationship with the Lord, um, all of these pieces through our experience. And so sometimes people will look at discernment and and feel like what should happen is they should essentially get a spiritual email that just tells them do this or do that. (laughs) And I don't think that's what discernment is. So in a a very English language context, Mm -hmm. right, in an academic context, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary describes discernment as being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure or to perceive something. And I think in a spiritual sense, we can also apply that. So it's knowing that the Lord is giving us information. Maybe that's things that we're hearing and the Holy Spirit is telling us. Maybe those are some visual signs, you know, the world around us is created by God, and there's some visual signs. This is dangerous. That is dangerous. Mm -hmm. There's things that we're paying attention to, but discernment is being able to grasp and comprehend those things. And Christianity Today, about a a dozen years ago or so, did an article, and they described um, discernment as being able to make careful distinctions. And they were talking about it in the thinking process but i think there's something even in the emotional being able to process what this means and what we should do and discernment is sort of the decision making process with what we do i like that. i like the those i like the word distinctions
1: like making distinctions and when we talk about okay i have i have intellectual process i have i have good reasoning i can reason something out but sometimes the holy spirit is actually going to give me a sense of something that doesn't agree with what my intellect might tell me. I I had heard a story about a woman and her husband Well, a family went camping in Yosemite, and they had set up their whole camp. And the woman, the wife just said she just had had this really strong sense that they needed to move their camp. And after some back and forth, her and her husband determined, like, we're going to move. So they moved their camp. And the next day, there was a rock slide right where their camp was. So intellectually, I've been like, no, we're fine. The sun's going to go down, go to bed. But, but in, her, in her spirit, in her discernment, she just had a sense it just wasn't right. And they moved.
0: And one of the beautiful things about that is I think sometimes people feel like that's a divorce between their intellect and uh, maybe their gut instinct or, or what the Lord is saying. But I think discernment is about paying attention and going, maybe there's something that I haven't even realized I've seen. The Lord is showing me something. Both and. Both and. And it's putting wisdom and knowledge and decision-making power into action. So it's not discernment if I tell you, Jill, what to do, right? No, that's just bossy. Right. (laughs) And sometimes there's a temptation because we don't know what's right or wrong. Don't be my Holy Spirit. Right. Sometimes we can't tell what's happening. (laughs) And so we abdicate. Sometimes we kind of want somebody else to discern for us. Is that right? the best word, abdicate? <laughs> it means to give up. We just give up the decision-making power and authority. Also, that allows us to blame somebody else if something goes wrong or, or it goes away that we didn't expect or didn't want to. And discernment is about sort of taking uh, that responsibility seriously and processing and listening. and sometimes. It's about asking questions, um, getting more information. Um, a lot of people will say, well, I heard something from the Lord, and they won't take the time to go, what does that mean? Yes, yes, what, yes. What am I looking for? Um, you and I have talked a lot about timing and things. So the Lord might give you um, some discernment, You, your experience, your professional knowledge, your wisdom, your education might show you something, but discernment tells you, look, this isn't the time to act on it. It's not the time to say something about that. <laughs> so you said a lot in that. So I want to circle back to one, one part
1: about knowing the, the, the voice of God. So it, one of my friends said, discernment is to know the love of God and, and his voice. And and she was talking about circling, redirecting the conversation back to God. So if I feel that God has told me one sentence. I want to go back into the dialogue and say, Jesus, tell me more about that. I'm feeling a little bit of a, a a yellow light here. Jesus, tell me more about that. Let's go back into dialogue. I don't want to get one word from God about do or don't and not get into the dialogue because I, I do believe that he is drawing us into dialogue for um, the greater conversation. I, I mm-hmm. think that for anyway, with my relationship with with him and in the dialogue, he's usually not just saying yes, no, don't go, stop,
0: That's right. it. Right. <laughs> well, one of the things about our relationship with the Lord is is God has given us free will, and He's inviting us into a process. But there's free will in that. So when you said the word
1: abdicate. Mm-hmm. Before I, I just cut you off. Sorry, it's okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, I, I, just thought the word that when Esther brought up the word abdicating and allowing somebody else to tell you what to do, and that gives, then that gives you, um, now you can blame them if they make the wrong decision. I think that that word abdicate your, your free will or your decision to someone else is really important because when you abdicate that, you're actually not exercising that inner part of you to determine the voice of God and to, and to have that discernment exercised. So I can't exercise for you. Even if I said, I'm going to go run an extra mile for you, you're not going to benefit from me running an extra mile for you.
0: (sighs) That is very disappointing (laughs) to me. I think you have more energy than I do. And so if if you could, that would be great. (laughs) But I think you're, you're absolutely spot on in that analogy. You can't exercise that for me If I don't exercise it, I'm not going to build it. I'm not going to get stronger in it. And I think I'm not going to gain wisdom. I'm not going to gain depth. Now, I believe that we do get sort of instinctual senses sometimes, and I'm not discounting in this uh, woman's intuition Mm -hmm. or an instinct, a gut feeling. I think those are all real, but uh, that doesn't mean we always obey them, right? Right. I think that this is a part of of the process of discernment. I tell somebody if they have, if I'm working with them and they're like, I have this really strong intuition, this really strong gut instinct. I say, well, let's look into that, particularly if there's time. Now, I I think time sensitive sometimes matters. If you have a gut instinct that something is dangerous, get out of there. Mm -hmm. If your feminine intuition tells you this is, you know, very, very dangerous for you, you need to escape, probably just, you know. Hightail it out and, and process it later. Right. But in general, if you're feeling that and and ta- you've got a little bit of time, this is the time to explore that. This is what discernment does. Yes. Discernment sits and and processes this with all of the pieces. Am I feeling in danger because of something past? Am I projecting? Is this a danger I'm still willing to take? You know, life has a lot of risk. Life is about risk. So, we take lots of risks and make, have risk assessments. Right. We, we make wise decisions. And one of the things about discernment that uh, we talk about in both of our, our fields is learning kind of this, the signals and signs, things like yellow flags and red flags, and, and being able to kind of picture what that means. And so, I did a little bit of research this week and kind of thought in my own head how I view yellow flags and red flags and, and where we got even these labels and names. And I think it's kind of interesting. So yellow flag is supposed to be a notification of potential danger. It says that conditions are not safe, but it's a warning. It doesn't mean you can't come in. And there's a an old maritime procedure for a yellow flag. Uh, they don't use it so much anymore, but I feel like it's very <laughs> pertinent for right now. Tell um, us. It's an international... Um, <laughs> Way that a yellow flag is used is it was an indication that there was infectious disease in the port on land. And they were quarantined. And they were quarantined. <laughs> right. So if a ship would come into port and would see a yellow flag, they would know this is a quarantine zone, right? There's a disease here. It didn't mean that they were forbidden from coming in. It meant that they, if they came in, they were going to be subject to this quarantine. For some reason, in the middle of our quarantine, as we're kind of on the right. yeah. backside of our current Hopefully. one, right? This really made sense to me. If you see this is this is something, if you come into this space, there's going to be extra precautions you have to take. There's going to be things you have to keep in mind. And you should be aware that there's a disease happening in this place. It doesn't mean you're not welcome. doesn't mean you can't come. But you co- you come into it with this extra amount of knowledge and you take certain precautions and I think that's a, an interesting picture for us.
1: Well, I think when you say that, so I am actually exercising my free will of do I want to go or not, I'm intellectually looking at the cost benefits of going or not going. And then I can also discern in my spirit, is this something that God wants me to do? Right. So that's kind of where you see all three parts working nicely together. And I, I think it's,
0: it's not a sign that tells you what to do. But it is a sign to pay attention. It gives you information. It gives you information and it allows you to begin to make some decisions and to process and to draw some conclusions based on on what you know. If you know that that's what a yellow flag means, then you are able to process that in, in auto racing and car racing. And in most actually racing environments, they use a yellow flag also for a caution flag. And so in in motorcycles and auto racing, if there's um oil spilt on the track. Then there's a caution flag and it'll be a yellow flag. Um and it means that there's hazardous conditions. It is not a red flag. It doesn't mean you have to stop, right? But it's there's hazardous conditions ahead. And I think that's another way that we could think of it. So we're we're going along and and we get that yellow flag. We see something and we begin to recognize this is a risk. And in my career, I'm an anger management specialist mm-hmm. and a conflict specialist. I work with people who are in conflict <laughs> and who have emotional management issues. So, I when I see an anger flare-up, I know I'm still going forward. Mm-hmm. They've come to me for help. Yeah. But I have put some precautions in how I do that. And if I see some signs that maybe they are conflict prone and would like to drag me into their conflict, I know there's a yellow flag. I know what I need to do to say, I'm not going to engage in this way. I've got some precautions. If you sign up with me as a client, there's paperwork you fill out and you got to pay in advance. These so kinds healthy. Of things, right? <laughs> so yellow flags are another reason for me to look at strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. And discernment doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries. It it usually requires... It means that you, that you do. And that you're aware of what your boundaries are. Discernment says, I know this is the road and I'm, I'm going to stay. This is a kind of a, a dangerous, not a big pasture. I need to stay on the path. There's rattlesnakes or whatever on the side. And I'm going to stay. It's the ability to say no or yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making that choice um, and the ability to recognize what the danger and damage is. And I think sometimes if we abdicate discernment. And then we just go along happy go lucky, right? We don't know that it's a dangerous path.
1: Yeah, I I think I think I'm glad you circled back to abdicate too, because I just really love that word right now. But I think that it's really important, uh, as we develop the discernment, that we get to listen, and pay attention to what is our body telling us what are our eyes telling us what is the Holy Spirit telling us, and learn not to just push through. And and I want to say this gently, I have not listened to my inner voice, and (laughs) I just did it two weeks ago, and it's okay. What did I learn from that? It's okay. It isn't some kind of over-spiritualized concept that I'm just going to hear the voice of God and I'm going to get it right every time, or it isn't like that. That's why I really like using this in the context of exercise. I'm going to exercise my discernment in partnership with God as I walk this out, I'm going to listen to my own signals. And two weeks ago, I didn't listen to my own signals. I just wanted to get something done in that moment. And it could have gone better than it did. (laughs) But but it's still it isn't a pass fail.
0: It's an exercise judgment. This isn't about judging. It isn't about saying, see, there were bad consequences. You didn't exercise your discernment. That's not what discernment is about. Mm -hmm. We still enter into all kinds of risky and dangerous things there are still things outside of our control. And we're not telling people, look, if you get perfect discernment, you're never going to really be, be hurt. <laughs> <about> it. <laughs> Right. That's another lack of discernment. I mean, that's not the way the real world works. And it's not the way our spiritual life works. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really key. One of the other things about yellow flags in some sports, a yellow flag is used as a penalty flag. And it means that someone has broken the rules. So they'll throw a yellow flag. Um, or just even a yellow piece of fabric on the field. And it indicates that someone has broken the rules. And I think in our own lives, in our own personal relationship, if we think of yellow flags and relationships, in that context that we notice it doesn't mean that the game is over, I, I absolutely have to end the relationship with this person. But if someone is not being safe, if they're not being appropriate, if they are essentially breaking the rules of, for you, right, for me, th- whether that's the
1: boundaries, or they're just what's not safe to you might be fine with me. And what's not
0: safe to me might be fine with you. Absolutely. So if somebody is doing that, that doesn't mean I need to end my relationship. But this is a time to stop and pause when they throw a yellow flag on the field, they stop and pause the game. Mm-hmm. Right they assess is anybody hurt is there any damage? has anything happened? and I think in our own lives we get to do that too if you have a yellow flag in the field of your heart,
1: go ahead and take a timeout yeah and get get with get with God and talk mm-hmm. to him about what's going on with you and I, I again think this is the what the exercise of it looks like it's mm-hmm. the exercise of it. I was listening to someone say that the Holy Spirit is a uh, searches the 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 deep things of God. When Jesus ascended on high and led captivity captive, he gave gifts to man. He sent us his holy spirit. He sent us his holy spirit to remind us that he's with us and he's with us on the inside. And it's it's a really amazing gift and he was I, I was listening to a pastor I really like just talk about he, and he searches us. He searches us. He searches the deep things of God from the inside out. And I heard somebody else call the Holy Spirit, our inward witness. And I went, wow, I just love the way that sounds to our, the inward witness of our Holy Spirit that can, that can tell me personally, because of what I've been through in my life. There are Mm -hmm. things I've been through in my life that are going to give me a yellow flag that won't give you one. Absolutely. That my inward witness of the Holy Spirit that lives in me is going to help me navigate things that I need him to help me navigate.
0: And if I see a yellow flag, and and I make a decision to to step back and to evaluate, to reevaluate boundaries, reroute, evaluate the relationship in one way or the other, that doesn't mean I'm being judgmental and negative. A lot of Christians really wrestle with this. Like, how do I enforce a boundary? We've talked about boundaries before mm-hmm. on the show, um, and still show grace and love. And and that's not what this is about. This is this is discerning. Something's happened and something that is that is wrong in one way or the other. And, and I can pause and decide how to go forward if I want to go forward. Um, And this is what discernment is about somebody else you can't trust. One of the hard things is I've used a sports illustration. But in that, usually a referee is throwing the yellow flag on the floor. Sometimes we can't trust that somebody else is going to tell us what that penalty is for. And we've got to sit and um, grasp and comprehend what is a little unclear. We've got to sit with the Lord and ask.
1: So doesn't this come down to self-care in so many Mm -hmm. ways as well?
0: Mm -hmm. And deciding I'm going to do the hard work of being mature. I'm going to take responsibility for gathering the information that I need. I'm going to, to process it. And I think, you know, this is where there's a partnership. We have people that we ask, You know, pray with me, talk through this with me. We've talked on on this show about having help and having support. And we have people in our lives who are just our prayer partners. But in these situations, we're getting that support, we're getting that help, but we're not sending all of the responsibility to them. We're not coming back to that word, abdicating it to them. We're sitting with the Lord ourselves. Yeah. Um, And and we're a part of this and we're exercising our discernment and we're saying, Lord, I, I see that yellow flag. What does that mean for me? And we're taking those risks in in our relationships, in our lives, in our decisions seriously, recognizing that we can't always control all the outcomes. But I, I know a lot of people who feel somehow guilty yeah. for paying attention to those. And I, I think I'd like to really just, if I can use the term of the day, empower people not to feel guilty for that process, those yellow flags. What does that mean? And, and what am I going to do? And then, of course, there's red flags, Jill. I know you know <laughs> that red flags are super important for maturity, right? Right. We have to be able to see them. We have to know what they look like. Um, if I come back to that kind of maritime thing. So a red flag, sometimes it's a literal flat out warning. and might, might as well, you know, be um, a poison warning. Um, but they will drop a red flag in certain harbors and places to mark a sunk ship. So if you're going into the harbor, you know, there is no safe way to go over this spot. You can still go forward, but you're going to have to go around this. And um, in mortar sports, when they throw the red flag, that means that it is too dangerous to keep going. You have to stop. doesn't mean you're stopping forever, right. but there is no safe way on this course right now, whether that's for you or for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I really want to encourage people paying attention to a red flag is huge. If you sense a red flag, whether that's in yourself or in your spirit, pay attention. You know, sometimes people will say to me, I I just felt this anxiety all of a sudden. I didn't hear the Holy Spirit speak, but I felt this anxiety. I still say, stop and then ask the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? What's this anxiety? Yes.
1: So I just, I, I just this morning. I woke up and I was going to start doing something on July 8th in in my ministry. And I woke up this morning and literally felt pretty good anxiety. It wasn't good, (laughs) but it was large. (laughs) It was a pretty good red flag, not supposed to start yet. And I sat with Jesus for a little while and just said, I feel like it it would be good for me to push it out for two weeks. And I, I heard him say in the way he speaks to me. Yes. And I just had a huge relief. I just like my whole body let go. I just moved it back two weeks. It's okay. I didn't have to push through because I set Mm -hmm. those dates and already talked to 25 people for three groups. I don't have to. He told me as he'll tell any of us in the context of free will, I don't have to, I get to. And when I had that anxiety, that red flag this morning and sat with him and felt, yep, I'm going to push him out two weeks, felt the relief. Mm-hmm. And, and just that I, I, I feel like I needed to give that particular context because this is us, Esther and I telling you about life yep. as we know it with our great big Jesus. I think
0: it is so important <laughs> for us to pay attention to these red flags. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of you because I know that's hard. And I will work with people and they will tell me, you know, they saw all of these red flags, but, and there's this big, but, and, you know, young people will tell me, well, this person, they've, they've recently come to the Lord. So I don't think they're going to be violent and abusive anymore. And Mm -hmm. I'll say that feels like a red flag to me. What would it be like to take a space? I'm not saying that they'll never heal and recover and grow and break these patterns, but that doesn't seem like an instant sort of recovery thing. Um, and I know, you know, and... Well,
1: I'm an addiction specialist. Yeah. So with 20 years of possible violence and abuse getting saved and then thinking it's all going to go away within a month or two is unreasonable.
0: It's unreasonable. And yet, so have many hope. people... So you can many, be hopeful. So many people have these um, instantaneous thoughts. And so you pay attention to the red, red flags. So if you see a red flag in a relationship... If you feel the red flag in your own anxiety, and your own spirit, in your body, your body will tell you something's wrong, mm-hmm. sometimes because we're suppressing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, the emotional or, or um, even the mental, like we're suppressing the knowledge we know and our body just is screaming at us. Um, you can pay attention to those red flags. It doesn't mean that the race won't ever start again or that there's not another way around, but, but those are like stop and reevaluate. And Jill, you and I, we both live in Southern California and we live in what they call fire country. Uh-huh. And they have red flag warnings where we live. And a red flag warning means the weather is ripe for disaster. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the disaster's already started. So a red flag warning isn't when there's already fire burning and you're like, oh, I see the flames. Yes, I know we need to evacuate. <laughs> but, but it means it's hot. There's no humidity. Dry. It's dry and there's probably wind. And in a red flag warning for us, it means all of the emergency services are on high alert. Firemen are not getting their days off. There's no vacations. And the rest of us are out there trying to mitigate any fire risk. Right. And in, in the mountains, you know, they send it's us little, little letters, right? Clear your weeds, um, but but not, not with anything, you know, do it by hand. <laughs> not with anything that can <laughs> that spark gasoline. anything. Gasoline. Right. Not with anything that can spark a fire. Um, and I think there's that red flag sense too, where you need to be aware and paying attention to the environmental experience. So important. That it, this, is, this is high risk space. And we all have those things and they're different for us. So you mentioned you're an addiction specialist and there's a lot of people who come from addiction backgrounds and their high risk space might be different from somebody who's not, who doesn't come from that. And they can't let somebody else go, oh, this isn't bad. You'll be fine. Just well, come hang out here. I, I will say not just
1: people coming out of addict backgrounds, but people coming out of maybe uh, uh, maybe you've been in a relationship where you have suppressed every every internal warning you've ever had because you're just trying to make it right. work. So there really is a training, again, an exercising mm-hmm. of your inner man to have discernment. Because if, if you... If you grew up in a in a family of abuse where you just tried to be invisible and and stay you know stay out of the way, or if you are coming out of an abusive relationship, any kind of setting where you have intentionally shut down your, your inner self from all of those little warnings, it takes a little while to come out of it and start trusting the inner self again and start trusting the Holy Spirit in you to lead you. It takes a little while, so it isn't just an addiction, like definitely addiction, because where, where there can be trauma and abuse, but really what we'll, we'll think about with
0: anything. So so many things and, and so many situations where if somebody else didn't have the same experience, they might not recognize the danger for you, mm-hmm. right? So they don't know that this environment is not dangerous for you. I think this also comes with people who have come from religious spirit backgrounds. That was exactly where, where I was going to go. Right, right. Where where they are trying to walk in freedom and grace And they're trying to hear from the Holy Spirit. And somebody else will say, oh, this is really great. And it doesn't take very much for them to get locked back into legalism if they don't pay attention to that red flag warning system. And let's say it.
1: Legalism takes away your rights. It does. Legalism takes away your rights. That's a really important sentence. And it takes away your free will and it takes away your rights.
0: And legalism tells you there's really only one response to things. It's, it doesn't um, require the relationship, the questions, the answering. And it, it kind of brings me to a picture. Um, I saw a meme. Someone sent me a meme. And um, I thought it was super funny knowing we were having this discussion coming <laughs> up. And it was uh, a, red, uh, a red flag and a bull. you know. And it said, they're a spirit animal. Was was a bull because they see a red flag and they run straight into okay. it. They've got no other. <laughs> they've no got other no other response. response. <laughs> just, but charge right, <laughs> and and there are people who do that, and and legalism sometimes can make you think that like you've got to just gut it out and go through it, and there's only one response, and so we don't want to be bulls, no. um charging towards the red flags, and as we talk about red flags this weekend, I had a. Interesting conversation with a friend of mine who's a therapist, and um, she was talking about the process of trying to explain to her kids um, relationship red flags and yellow flags and and kind of warning signs as they were starting uh, to have adult relationships. They were at the time her her daughter was was in her mid teens, so she was trying to prepare her like these are the things you look for in a relationship and these are the warning signs. And her son was in the backseat and about the the time he was about twelve, and she declared a couple of warning signs that that could be dangerous for a relationship for a young lady. And her son from the back seat popped up and said, "Mom, those aren't red flags; those are pirate flags. <laughs> <That's a> danger, <laughs> danger! Skull and, and crossbones. Yeah, I love that because that's you know, pirates—they rape and pillage and steal, and they've got scurvy stink. and they stink <laughs> and they're not healthy and and they're dangerous and they kill." And um, we also need to look out for those pirate signs. You see a pirate sign. There is nothing good. No, run away. Don't charge that.
1: Right. So I, I did. I wanted to share a, a quick, a quick story as well. Uh, this was about three weeks ago. My husband was going to go into a job in San Francisco. And I just, I, some people call it a check. I had a check in my spirit and the night before he left i took his head in my hands i looked him in the eyes and i said please i need you to be highly alert and vigilant on this trip so when he left in the morning as he was driving to san francisco i think he was around santa ana he's in the fast lane the man in, a man in a lane next to him fell asleep at the wheel and rammed his car Ugh. And it spun around and hit it again. And he told me he was highly alert. He had both hands on the wheel, kept his truck in the lane. But that was a, I had a big, I had a pirate flag. (laughs) And I just, I knew he was needed to go on the trip, but please be very vigilant. And that happened the next morning. That is the Holy Spirit telling us things we cannot know. Mm -hmm. And his discernment, hearing what my discernment was telling him, the Holy Spirit in him, hearing the Holy Spirit in me and responding as such, because he usually will drive, you know, one hand on the wheel. It's a long drive, one arm across the passenger
0: side. I think it is so important for us to pay attention to those times when we do have clarity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So often, they were both fine by the way. Too. Amen. <laughs> often we don't have clarity. But when we do have clarity, pay attention, don't stuff that down. And there are times where we can see so clearly that, that there are things that are just wrong and they're not good for us. And those are pirate flags as well. And we can kind of mix those up in our society and our culture, and we can confuse those or justify them. But I warn people, if you see something in scripture you're not to do, don't do it. Pirate flag. Pirate flag. Yeah. Yeah. Use that discernment. Don't let somebody else um, justify it to you or explain it away. If you have that sense, trust that and, and sit with the Lord and and really help that develop that exercise strength of That's discernment. That's really good. That like we should do another show on God's law is love.
1: It's really yeah. important. His <laughs> His love, His law is because He loves us. Mm-hmm.
0: I have enjoyed this conversation so much, Jill. So much fun. (laughs) And um, I'm really looking forward to our next conversation, but I want to wish everybody a very blessed week. Yes. You guys take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Life in Context, hosted by Jill Schenkel's and Esther DeWitt, edited and produced by BizVid Communications. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review and follow us and like us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. For more information on who we are and what we do, you can
1: follow Jill at jillshankles.com. That's Jill, S-H-A-N-K-L-E-S.com. And on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow Esther at peaceprof.com. That's peace, P-R-O-F.com. And at peaceprof on Twitter and Facebook.